Welcome to Indie Reads Aloud, a storytelling podcast with your host, Diana Catherine Plopa. Come gather round, grab a snack, and listen to a story. Each week, we'll feature a new indie author with a story to tell. There are no long-winded interviews, no sales pitches, just stories. Most of the stories we'll tell will be family-friendly, but if they're not, you'll get fair warning before the reading begins. If you want to hear more, investigate the story notes for links to the author and where to buy their books. You can find us at dkpwriter.com. And now, sit back, relax, and listen to a story. Welcome back, everybody. We are having such a great time with this podcast. Um, there's so many great stories out there. I get to meet some new authors, and today I'm introducing you to a brand new to me author. So I'm really excited. Nicole Patrice Thomas is from New York, and she is here today to read for us. Patrice, hi, welcome. Hi, thank you for having it's me. It's Nicole Patrice, right? It is, yes. It is. Awesome. Okay. Um, again, I'm so grateful that you're here. Uh, I'm so happy to be here. Um, it's, it's so much fun to get to, you know, Zoom over the pandemic has given us such a great opportunity to, to do a greater outreach than we would have before. So I'm really excited when I get to meet people who are not in my own hometown. Super yeah. exciting. So I'm going to tell everybody a little bit about Nicole. Um, it could be said that Nicole Thomas was born with a book in her hand. Reading has always been her favorite pastime. Whether a physical copy or an ebook, she's never far from a current read. That love led her to creating a world where anything is possible with enough faith. I love that message. Very, very cool. Um, today, Nicole's going to be reading a segment from Whalia's Tale, which is a part of her Christian YA trilogy. Um, it's a fantasy trilogy, which is going to be super fun, because we all love fantasy. The synopsis for this book goes like this. Three women, two sons, one crown. The mothers died believing in it. Devana paid the price trying to stop it. Alric may lose his soul if he doesn't surrender to it. The prophecy is not what they have been led to believe. Nothing is. Discover what tragedies thrust our heroes and villains upon roads of destruction or light. See the seeds of darkness planted, the heartbreak and the regret. Witness the rise before the fall of kingdoms from new perspectives. Okay, I just got goosebumps reading that. <laughs> that just sounds so cool. <laughs> I am really excited to hear you read. This is going to be fun. So when you are ready, Nicole, please take the microphone and read aloud. Okay. Here we go. Whalia's tale. No. Walia's bone-chilling scream pierced the air as the hand she gripped slipped from wrist to palm to fingertips before disappearing forever beneath the deluge that hurtled past the tree she clung to. 
Her eyes raced back and forth over the rushing waters that had come upon them so suddenly. One moment, they had been hurriedly walking to escape the rain. The next, the ground beneath their feet had begun to quake. Her husband and twin brother, their eyes had widened, locked on the mountainside above them, as a distant rumbling exploded into a terrifying noise. They had immediately pushed her up into the nearest tree, forcing her as high as they could. There hadn't been time for words between them before the flash flood hit. Her brother had been swept away first, eyes closed, face turned up in surrender. Her husband's hands lingered a little longer, still supporting her as she tried desperately to hold on to him. Only re love reflected in his brown eyes, no fear. He knew and trusted the one enough to be sure they would meet again in the next life. Her now empty hand hovered in the air trembling, raindrops dripping from the end of each pale finger still reaching for the other half of her heart, knowing it was gone. Vile burned up its, its way up her throat as she retched into the heaving current. Only days before she had come to the conclusion that their prayers had been answered. They'd even sat with friends rejoicing over it. Now she was shattered beneath the weight that the dream of fatherhood would always remain just that for Fidel. The dawning knowledge that the joy and all the firsts he would miss as a father made her heart ache all the more. As water rushed past her ankles, she drew both legs up. Wrapping one arm around the tree, she curled the other around her waist. Her dark hair hung in a tangled mess across her face. Tears and rain poured down both her cheeks. Her chest heaved and shuddered with each breath. A moan started low in her throat as her body began to quake from far more than the intolerable cold. Unable to control the pain, the moan grew into a shattered wail of a soul that had been cleaved in two, emotionally gutted and left in the throes of a volatile storm. They found her that way the next morning, vacantly staring into the distance and covered in mud. Walia, Walia, Sarah called softly as her husband and a neighbor assisted her from the tree. Are you hurt? Where are Fidel and Weston? Walia could barely speak. Just hearing those names caused a fresh onslaught of tears. Shaking her head, she struggled to break free from the arms that restrained her. No, we have, we have to find them, please, please. Her voice became frantic as she continued to strain away from the men lifting her down. Walia, stop. Sarah tried to get the distraught woman to look at her, please. Gripping Willia's face, she forced eye contact. I am sorry, so very sorry. They're gone. So many were lost last night. The floodwaters washed through the entire valley. You understand? We will search, but we won't, we won't find them, any of them. Sarah searched the eyes of the broken woman before her. Their husbands had been friends. The couple has spent many nights around a fire making plans, and most recently, thanking the one for the coming birth of the long prayed for child. Walia looked into the eyes of her friend. She saw the truth and it extinguished the tiny spark of hope she had clung to during the night. The hope that the one would spare them this grief, that he would be merciful. He would surely provide a miracle. An unfamiliar coldness seeped deep into her bones. Unable to fight its pull, she gave in, her legs buckled, and she welcomed the darkness. Four months pregnant.
Two months later, the town she lived in had rebuilt a few homes. The families that were intact offered shelter to those who were not so fortunate. Sarah and her family hadn't hesitated to welcome William, offering her a cot beside their hearth. A sheet strung across a rope provided a small sense of privacy. She lay there day after day, night after night, eyes trained on the flickering shadows. She heard the family moving around her. She ate the food left on the stool by Jasmina, their 10-year-old daughter, and ventured outside only when her body refused to hold any more waste or when the sniffs of her host indicated the smell had reached an intolerable level. The days and weeks passed in a haze of misery while she lay, wishing her grief would swallow her as the waters had swallowed her future. She often heard Sarah and her husband whispering furiously on the other side of the sheet. Today, they seemed more earnest than most as she caught snippets here and there. And suddenly the sheet was thrust aside and a shaft of daylight from the open door caused her to squint. Walia, I love you. And while I cannot possibly understand the pain of losing both a husband and brother as you did, the fact remains that I grieve them too. I love them too. But she moved and squatted at eye level. They are gone. You have to get up from this place. You dishonor their memory by simply waiting for death to claim you. The child you carry, the child Fidel prayed for, is suffering because of your selfishness. How long will you think only of what you lost, about how you feel, and about how you hurt? She waited a breath for an answer, knowing none was likely to come. She drew a stool close and sat down. You are the one who always had such strong faith in the one, believing he would bless you with a child, this child. Would you cast that faith aside now? You told me you're gifted as a scribe. Look back on your life. Look back at all the times the one has provided, protected, sheltered, and showed his love for you. Look back on your memories with Fidel. Draw them back and held them deep into your soul and live. Walia shifted her head enough to look up into the hazel gaze of her only friend. There was a green ring around them that she had never noticed before, a beautiful compliment to the glow of her bronze skin. She watched as Sarah brushed an errant, inky coil from her face, a movement she must have done a million times in her life, but it was as if Walia was seeing it and her friend for the first time. She drew a shaky breath, pushing up onto her elbow before dropping her legs off the side of the cot and sitting up. Hunched over, her dirty hair hung in a limp curtain on either side of her face. Sarah leaned forward until their foreheads touched and together they took a deep breath. A tear dropped from the tip of Walia's nose onto the back of her friend's hand. But if Sarah noticed, she didn't move or bother to brush it away. Walia watched as it sat and then rolled away, leaving a wet trail before dropping onto the bed and disappearing into the wrinkled fabric. She blinked and the sun was lower than she remembered. She opened her eyes and it was dark. Still they sat, breathing life into each other. Thank you, Welia whispered into the silence. Always, Sarah whispered back. Five months pregnant. Little by little, from each sunrise to sunset, Welia gained her strength back. She would watch from the hilltop as her surrogate family washed clothes in the river, the current bringing back painful memories that kept her from helping them. Instead, she helped Sarah and Jasmina with cooking and tending the few animals they had. 
The jerky movements in her womb brought some comfort during the lonely nights while she listened to Sarah and Marcus whisper softly to each other. Each day, the chill in the air deepened and each night around the fire pit, the whispers of an evil force making its way across the land grew. The attacks on nearby villagers are happening more and more. The bandits have no fear of the king's guards or his laws. No one is safe anymore, Jared said, his graying beard shaking with each word. You're right, Philip responded. While I was at the market this morning, it was all anyone was talking about. Hastily dug graves lined the roadways where travelers have been attacked. Broken pieces of carts and goods lie just beyond the tree line of almost every road. What is the king doing about the problem? Marcus asked as he wrapped one arm around the hunched shoulders of Sarah, who listened with wide eyes. Nothing, Stephen shouted as he strode into the light his ruddy complexion and red hair as wild as his temper. The boy is no king. Since his father died, he has barely left the manor grounds. So enamored with his bride, he couldn't care less that his people bleed out and die in the streets. Come now, we must give him time to accept this new position. It's not as if one can plan for Marcus tried. He hasn't had ample time, Marcus. I'm done waiting for him to protect us. I'm the head of my family and will do whatever it takes to protect them. Stephen's eyes narrowed <clears throat> as his hand rested on the hilt of a rusty blade that sat on his hip. We are not soldiers, Stephen, not anymore. Those of us with any skill, he said, as his eyes darted to the doorway where Walius sat silently, are no longer here. And those who are left are too old or too young to be of use. No. It would be better if we left this place to its dark fate. You would run like a coward, Stephen sneered. No, I would live as would my family and any who choose to come with us. Sarah and I have discussed it privately. She has family in the South who would welcome us. The letters indicates the bandits are not there. The land is fertile and peaceful. I'm sure you could all find a place there. Marcus looked around the circle at his neighbors. Many had children and families that they longed to protect. So a few of the men grumbled amongst themselves, seemed to side with Stephen's approach. It is late. We can talk more and decide in the coming days. Walia stepped to the side as Marcus and Sarah entered the small home. Sarah caught her hand, giving it a reassuring squeeze. That night and many nights to come, the whispers were not gentle. They were anxious and laced with fear. Six months pregnant. The decision to leave had been made. The small village had been divided into three groups, those who would travel south, those who would fight, and those who could not make the journey in either direction. The midwife had confirmed Walia was carrying twins and advised against her making the trip, but what was left for, here, for her here but more death? Marcus and Sarah agreed to go as slow as needed, but they would not leave her behind. The small caravan of 10 families planned to leave before the sun rose. The journey would be long and hard, but hope lay to the south. Walia packed the few items she had, tying the small bundle of clothes to the hilt of a jeweled sword. Her hand lovingly caressed the leather sheath. It was all she had left of her husband, a sword she could neither wield nor give away. Marcus had dug it from the wreckage of their home. It had been in Fidel's family for generations. And though she had often asked about its origin, Fidel had always said he would tell her and their future son when the time came. Such faith he had, and look where it had got him now. 
Wailia had to physically shake her head, trying to shake those dark, thought, dark thoughts from her mind. They came less and less, but somehow managed to sneak through every now and then. Sighing, she tucked her parcel into the back of the wagon the family would be traveling in. Jasmina was already positioned and excited for the adventure she was surely ahead. Her curly hair mirrored her mother's, while her grass green eyes were from Marcus. She was a beautiful blend of both parents. Walia wondered who her children would resemble. Would they have her dark features or Fidel's fiery red hair? Would they be a consistent, constant reminder of all she had lost or would she be able to look at them and see a bright future? Only time would tell. Ready to go? Marcus asked as he placed a hand on her shoulder. Ready as I'm ever going to be, I suppose, Raylia responded, shifting from under his touch. Good. Sarah is saying her last goodbyes and then we will be on our way. Marcus glanced around the small town. I wish we could have convinced more of them to come with us. They made their choice and we made ours. The one will protect his own, Sarah said, as she approached and slipped her arm around his waist. As she leaned into him, he placed a kiss on her forehead. Whaley nodded and turned away, the familiar prick of impending tears stinging the corners of her eyes at the show of affection. It wasn't that she was jealous. She was genuinely happy for her friends. It was only that she longed for that same love, a love that had been ripped from her way too soon. She placed a hand over her womb as a forceful kick from one of her children reminded her that she wasn't entirely alone. As if, it was as if they were saying, we love you, we're still here. One by one, the group of wagons disappeared around the bend in the road. Being one of the few men left with any fighting skills, Marcus had agreed to bring up the rear. They had barely been on the road for an hour when Jasmine, Jasmina tapped Sarah on the shoulder. Mama, Aunt Walia is not feeling well, she whispered, causing Sarah to turn quickly to look at her friend. Walia was heavily perspiring. Her eyes and jaw glinched tightly. The wagon hit a rut in the road and Whaley had doubled over in pain. Marcus, stop the wagon, Sarah cried as she started climbing into the back to reach Whalia. What is it? What's wrong? Marcus asked, pulling on the rein sharply. It's Whalia. Something's wrong, Sarah replied with a wordy glance. Whalia, what is it? Look at me. Slowly, Whalia opened her eyes and tried to focus on her friend's face. But pain caused everything to go out fuzzy at the edges. I'm sorry, it's the babies. I think they're coming. Sarah's eyes widened as she placed both hands on Willia's stomach, feeling it harden and soften several times. Her curls whipped around as she turned to her husband in a panic. It's too soon. Marcus set his lips in a firm line and began to turn the wagon back the way they came. He would not lose Fidel's family like this not without trying everything in his power to save them. He knew the bumps would be agony for her, but he had to reach the village and the midwife quickly. His lips flew in silent supplications to the one for speed and mercy. Call the midwife, call her now, Marcus yelled at the, as the wagon slid to a halt in the center of the village. Dropping the reins, he leapt off the side and rushed around to lift Walia from the wagon bed. Carrying her into their now empty home, he gave thanks that they had made it back swiftly. The midwife arrived and shooed him from the room, allowing only Sarah to remain. One hour turned into two and then three. The women rushed in and out with buckets of water and baskets of herbs. No one approached him and Sarah wouldn't meet his eyes. He could feel the tension in the air, 
He could see their lips moving silently in prayer as they made each trip. And then everything stopped. Sarah and the midwife emerged from the shadowed room, heads bent together, whispering. Sarah beckoned him closer. Is she all right? How are the babies? He asked nervously. They're all fine, thanks be to the one. And to you for getting her here so quickly. I have often seen women go into early labor, especially those who carry more than one, but she glanced back at the door as if she could see through it to the room. Never have I seen a labor start so violently and then just stop. Nothing we did was working, Sarah continued. Her waters had not broken, but she was in active labor. And then just nothing. Suddenly the contraction stopped. Her fever broke and her breathing returned to normal. I have no explanation other than a miracle. She must be favored by the one. I agree, the midwife chimed in. This was no normal birthing room. The very air in that room was so thick, it felt heavy. She shook her head and stepped away from the couple. Regardless, she's in no condition to travel. She must remain here and join you after the twins are born. I shall tell her when, you, when she awakens. No, I will tell her, Sarah said, grateful for the small squeeze of reassurance Marcus gave her hand. The next morning, Whaley awoke slowly. The sunlight streaming through the window illuminated small particles as they floated on air currents. Not so long ago, she had felt like that, small, unimportant, and floating on the current of life, going wherever it took her and having no say in the matter. Sometime during the night, during the last day and night that had changed. She felt grounded and sure. The future still lay shrouded in uncertainty, but she was no longer afraid of it. The weight of peace still rested heavily on her as she lifted one hand into the shaft of light and felt its warmth fill her palm. Glad to see you are awake, dear one, Sarah whispered from the floor, where she lay with Jasmina sprawled out on one side and Marcus snoring softly on the other. Slowly, she extracted herself from the jumble of limbs and made her way to Walia's bedside. How do you feel, she asked, placing the back of her hand first on her cheek and then on her belly. I feel lighter, Walia whispered back. What happened? You went into labor yesterday on the road, so we rushed you back here. The midwife and I tended to you for several hours before your labor stopped. And I mean, just stopped. We have no explanation for it. He saved me, just like he did during the flood and so many times before. He looked past my doubts and unbelief. He looked through my fear to my future, our future, and saved us. Tears of gratitude welled up in her eyes. She felt the small fluttering within her belly and somehow knew everything would be all right. Walia, the midwife said, Sarah started, I know. Walia cut her off with a sad smile. I must remain here and you must journey south. I will be all right. You and Marcus must protect each other and Jasmina. The one will hold me in the palm of his hand. He protects his own, remember? Later that day, the tears tracked down the cheeks of both women as they clutched each other and said goodbye, not knowing when or if they would ever see each other again. Just like so many months ago, Welia felt another hand slip from her grasp. She remained behind, watching her loved ones move on without her. This time the parting was sorrowful, but not bitter. The final words of her heart sister ringing in her ears, be strong and courageous, 
The one is with you, though we are not. He goes before you. He will walk behind and beside you. He will not let you fall. Nine months pregnant. If she could lift her leg any higher, she would have kicked herself for forgetting to gather water till now. She thanked the one it was a full moon and bright enough to make the trip there and back. The hair on the back of her neck prickled as if someone were watching her. Hastening her steps back to the cottage, she shut the door, sighing at the cold hearth. She had fallen asleep around midday and had let the fire go out. Willia was always so tired these days. According to the midwife, it was because the babies could arrive at any moment. Using a stick, she poked the embers back to life and settled once more onto the small cot, quickly falling back into a dream dreamless sleep. Rolling out of bed the next morning, her joints popped and crackled as she shifted into new positions to accommodate her extremely large belly. Slowly, she made her way to the shed, but paused at the door. It was partially ajar, but she was sure she had shut it securely the day before. Cautiously, she entered the darkest space. When her eyes grew accustomed to the dim light, her jaw dropped open. The most beautiful woman lay bleeding on the straw, raven hair plastered to a pale and sweating face, a dark embroidered cloak around her shoulders barely concealed a stomach as large as her own. Though she appeared to be in tremendous pain, the voice that reached Rayleigh's ears was strong and full of authority. Please do not be alarmed, the woman said. Despite how I must look to you, I am Alana Bearclaw and I need your help. Please gather ink and paper to write what I am about to tell you. Mistress, please, I'll call the midwife. There is no time. Listen to me. Her face clenched as a wave of labor paints hit her. Yes, mistress, but I need no ink or paper. I was born a scribe, a gift that has skilled me well in times of great stress. Perhaps the one knew you wouldn't have need of me. Praise the one. Look at me, please, and record what is said. Queen Alana proceeded to unravel a tale of love and betrayal, destiny and greed. This tale and two children, Willia would hold close until the one released her to reveal their destiny. Wow, how nice. Thank you so much for that awesome story. Now I have another book on my TBR pile. Thanks for that. You're quite <laughs> Thank you so much. I, I have a question I've been asking everybody, and I especially like to hear about it from the new authors that I don't know, because it allows me to see a little bit more about you and your process. What was your favorite part about writing this book? Um, being able to give Walia a voice. Um, throughout the trilogy, so many of my readers fell in love with her and her quiet strength, and they wanted to know, well, where did it come from? Where did she come from? Yeah. So I wanted to give her a voice and share a part of her history and story that explains how she was able to have such fortitude through all the stuff that she ends up going through through the rest of the series. Three whole books worth, right? Well, almost, yeah. <laughs> wow, very cool. I'm so pleased that you came on to read for us and I hope that you'll come back and read again. Definitely. Excellent. Thank you so much for spending a little bit of your time reading aloud with us today. Thank you, Diana, for having me. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to Indie Reads Aloud Radio. 
We hope you'll join us again next week for another story. If you're an indie author and you'd like to share your story with us, visit our website at dkpwriter.com to sign up and read aloud.